heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today. Ben Dobbin with you on the 2nd of May, a Tuesday morning across Rural Queensland today. So much to get through this morning. I'm embarrassed as a Queenslander. I'm embarrassed as a broadcaster. We had yesterday as Labor Day and there the Premier was laughing away with Anthony Albanese why our state, our state that we love, is absolutely in disarray. This morning we will talk to politicians around that. The youth crime, if you're in Harvey Bay, our thoughts are with those three families. Tragedy occurred. We'll talk about now another man eaten by crocodiles, plague proportions. So much to get through. Powerlink showing a complete disregard for the people of Kilkeven and the Wide Bay South Burnett areas. We'll talk with Deb Frecklington, Robbie Catter. We'll also talk and touch on a great news story, Tessa Cook from Claremont. Uh, she's a fourth-year vet student and um, her family have been raising beef for a long, long time in Queensland and a great story with her winning Agri-Future Scholarship. We'll catch up also with Josh Phelps. The Baku Beef Challenge is underway and uh, I'll give you all the significant dates of that. So much to get through this morning. If you've missed any of our shows, you can all also go to Spotify and download Ben Dobbin, Rural Queensland Today. Let's get into it. Robbie Catter joins us next. This is Rural Queensland Today, Tuesday morning, the 2nd of May. You're with Ben Dobbin on Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Yesterday was Labor Day. Um, Don't even get me started on that. And there's Anthony Albanese uh, with Anastasia Palaszczuk marching, talking about how wonderful the Labor Party is. But in the same breath, we've got a far north Queensland fisherman, um, fear taken by another crocodile. We've got a horrific, a horrific set of circumstances with a 13-year-old charged over road carnage in Maryborough where there has been three people killed and we're worried about a Labor Day march. Robbie Catter has been talking about youth crime and crocodiles for uh, it could be six, seven, eight years and it's gone on deaf ears. Well, I can tell you the first two pages are exactly what we've been talking about. Yet we're worried about Anastasia marching and the the roads in the lead-up to the Olympics. The bloody state is in a mess, and I can't speak any highly more highly of this. Rob joins us this morning, and I hate starting a Tuesday negatively. I hate it. But I tell you what, Rob, what, like I, I, the minute I read all this, I start thinking about the many conversations that you and I have had. Like, and I'm, I, I, you know, yeah, yeah. if it's 100 conversations on radio in, in, since 2016, I, it, could be, it could be more. But... The, the, the common themes and the common goals has been this youth crime. When yeah. is enough enough? And the crocodile situation, I'll get to that in a second, but Maryborough, yeah, a 13-year-old steals cars, he hits up, runs up the back of somebody that pushes into an oncoming, innocent people dead. Just horrific. And this is off the back. This is on Labor's hands. I don't care what you say. This is because there is so much youth crime. I was in Toowoomba yesterday talking to locals who fear going out at night, who fear going to an ATM to get cash out, who fear going to an ATM. This is in Toowoomba. It is just ridiculous. Yeah, it is, mate. And, and, you know, you really captured my sentiment. It's funny how you said that at the start, but you don't want to start it negatively because that's 
it just it frustrates me. That's probably source of a lot of my anger is that like you, you want to be talking about other stuff, like you just can't you can't uh, ignore the, what's going on and and you know Horrific. doubling down on that anger is that we've been saying this, like you said, we've been saying this for five years. This is happening, and for the first so many years, let's say three or four years, they just pretended that the um, problem wasn't happening. And I mean, I even got sort of secret reports of ministers saying, oh, yeah, like this is only last year, saying, yeah, well, look, we know it's a beat up. A lot of this stuff is just a beat up in the media. So they were just pretending it wasn't happening. And that was the period where they were supposed to be doing their job and starting to tidy things up. And now they're, you know, doing a hopeless job of playing catch up and um, the horse has bolted on this year's crime. So it's very, very frustrating, mate. And, um, yeah, and like, you know, we spoke about last week, we've tried to put, we used our annual motion to put something into Parliament to, Try and give them a chance to um, do something practical, and um, yeah, they didn't take it, mate. So it's like, yeah, it's very frustrating. And um, you know, sadly, I've got a report. I can't see it. There's nothing in there uh, that they've done that's going to no. change any of this scenario. At what point, though, do, does it, does it make it? We make a change because. You know, Harvey Bay and Maryborough area, that wide Bay, South Burnett area, they are grieving this morning. There's a mother and a daughter yeah. and lost. And, I mean, wow. it, it happens everywhere. I mean, we saw even we saw even um, a young group of teens in a car who shot with a pellet gun in Brisbane, young, innocent road rage victim, now, you know, shot with a pellet gun and it skimmed them and caused all sorts of grief and it, it ran headlines. Now all this is this is just absolute stupidity, mm. and it's not the police's fault. I, I mean no. that when I say this, they are so undermanned. I was talking to one of the senior senior police officers in Southeast Queensland, and I was talking about Toowoomba to him, and they've made yep. more arrests and more bookings than you could that, than ever on record. They are so yep. overworked to the point that the boss of the bosses up there. Are trying to give them barbecues and thanking them, and you know, trying to get the families together on days off just to try and let them know that hey, we can't give you any more money at the moment because the government, ha- you know. But I just want to thank you personally and putting like that's the that's to the level that they are at the moment. There yeah. is a fundamental shift that needs to happen in this state, and from the youth crime policies, and I don't even know Rob where we even start. I don't know. I know yeah. that you're saying, you know, relocation, but it, it's a complete reset and yeah, there is anarchy is. There is anarchy in our state and it is yeah. out of control. I've never – I don't want to dramatise it. It is out of control and people are bored of it. They're bored of it. It's it's like now it's just a common thing. My mum's in Sydney. She rings me yesterday. She goes, oh, well, I've – to be honest with you, I, I, I wouldn't get out of the car in Toowoomba and I don't feel safe – I don't yeah, feel safe yeah. in Ipswich at night yeah. now because I'm worried because we are on show to the world. It yeah. is on show. You don't see the youth crime in New South Wales. We, we're not seeing yeah, anything yeah, like this yeah. in any other state except Queensland. Yeah. It's an interesting comment my colleague Nick Meadow said the other day. You know, I was uncomfortable with those bikey laws that Cameron Newman brought in, but the one observation that uh, Nick made that was, I think, very pertinent was that they they caused a cultural shift within a week. A week after passing, people handing in their patches, and it changed the whole setup within a week. That's when you know the laws you've got have been effective. Yeah. And that's what we're after on youth crime, something that changes the culture within a week where the kids know 
And I mean, I, like I, I'll keep saying, the vacation centre is a broken record. It's not the, it's not going to solve everything. But I, you know, you need something where the kid gets sentenced, and you're saying, mate, now it's twelve months for that you've done. You need the minimum sentencing. You say you got twelve months now, and you're going out to you and Angie. And until they've got a consequence, we're just going to see that the common denominator and everything you've just said. It's just a complete lack of respect for any sort of authority. They don't respect the parents, the elders, the, um, you know, um, the police, anything. And it's just complete lack of authority. And, and um, we're going to change that. So um, it's more than just relocating sending, but that's, that's a good starting point for the kids, for the youth crime. And um, geez, sure. mate, they just voted it down in Parliament last week. So yeah, we, that's the worst thing. Work to do. But like they say, they'll run out of runway before the election because. One thing I can assure you, this stuff isn't going away and people are still going to hold them accountable and the election's coming up in 18, 17, 18 months. So they're, um, they're going to have to do something or um, suffer some really intense consequences. Saturday, you well said, Saturday afternoon, a 65-year-old um, Laura man was uh, reported to disappear. He's been camping at the Kennedy Bend camping area at Lakefield National Park. Now, there's no two ways in the Kennedy River. Um, it, it is very well known that, that, that there is crocodiles there. But I was taken aback um, by some dribbler, and I'll call him that, uh, who got on the Today Show over the weekend and shot down your claims that there is an overpopulation of crocodiles and that, that they are plague proportions. Now, this yeah. bloke... He was diplomatic in the way he said he, he, he was somebody up in Cairns and he had some title yeah. and he sat there and said, oh, well, I you know, politely disagree. He said, we've only had a 3% increase in 10 years. I mean, it, we see this with science. We see it, we said, yeah, he is an idiot. Um, and I don't want to be rude, but your father was, you know, absolutely ridiculed when he actually said that the, the biggest issues up there were crocodiles um, and – you know, and one of the big, and when he wouldn't get into talking about the um, same-sex marriage bills, and he was more focused on that. But the the bottom line is that the issues in your electorates are the are the rising population of crocodiles, and we've seen them come as far down that the coast that you know they they are absolutely migrating down. They're of plague proportions, and you can spin it all the way you want. You can be an environmentalist all the way you want. There yeah. needs to be another shift with the management of crocodiles in this state. It does, mate. Yeah, and I mean, we just want a mature conversation on it. Like, we don't want a turkey shoot. We're not trying to advocate, uh, you know, unregulated um, shooting of them. We're just saying they need some proper controls. And, and um, they're still an endangered species. And, you know, for that scientist to come out from Cairns saying there's no increase 3%, like, I mean, that guy's just got rocks in his head. I, I don't know. And... This well, he said it on public TV. It, this is the issue that I have. Like, he says it on public TV. And, well, these and, and, are panels that are government funded. These guys are all government funded. Of course, they're going to say what the government wants to hear. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. They don't lose their funding. So, no. of course, they're not going to step out of their lane. And and most these people are conservationists in nature. And you know what? Good on them, Dobbo. Good on them for the conservationists. But not good on the government for listening to them. Because, and, um, you know, They've they've got their view of life, and um, mine is like when crocodiles are popping up at the, you know on the footpath at Crumber Hotel and in the back of schools at Mariba and under people's houses in Ingham, the mayor's house at Ingham, um, you know, and you got the mayor of Cairns and the mayor of Ingham saying we we desperately need to do something about their numbers are exploding, 
um, you know, the radio guy up in um, on the from the radio in Kansas walking his dog along the the banks of Lake Placid, uh, just near up from Lake Placid, where everyone's fishing and swimming. Crocodile jumps out of the water and takes his dog. No. Like these yeah. are places of we swam all our lives, and it's not just everyone will say, "Oh, that's because there was culling." No, even before then, we, everyone, all these places people sw- swam, even before that culling, in the seventies and eighties. And um, there was uh, – we used to be able to swim, and guess what? Australia's a hot country, and if you want to live up North Queensland, you like enjoying your waterways. And fair enough, in Lakefield and some of those areas where there's dense crocs, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Lake Placid, the Gregory River, where the crocs are all pushing up into now. And um, don't talk to me. Go and talk to the first Australian people up there. Go and talk to the mayors. Go and talk to – everyone knows the population is increasing. But if that idiot wants to sit in cans and say, oh, they're not, and look at these numbers, well, no one's going to believe him up here. I mean, some people in Brisbane might believe him, and he, he might do a good job stifling the debate and um, and stopping some action, but uh, it's highly irresponsible. And we just want, you know, you can you can cull and manage the population of koalas. They cull koalas in Australia. They cull kangaroos. They cull wild horses when they run into traffic in Townsville. They'll cull pigs, dogs, um Cats, everything else, but you can't um, kangaroos, but you can't cull man-eating crocodiles. It's, yeah, it's just so. What? Where is the where is the push for them not to to not be um, culled? Not be culled. Yeah, who is that coming oh, from? Ah, oh, it has to. Good question. It has to just be that modern day wokey conservationist. You know, no young kids want to hear about anything being shot or killed anymore and guess what they're going outskirts of Canada shooting up horses and you know you can do everything else but you've now got to get a new law in to shoot something and um because it wasn't already embedded there it's hard very hard to do now you've got all these lunatic lefties that just jump into parliament and say oh no that's terrible you can't do it look at these numbers and the the number I know is the sightings the sightings in Queensland from 2011 2021 so over a 10-year period, they, the sightings increased 329%. Yeah. Now, and, and they say, oh, well, you know, someone would see the same clock twice. Well, that, that would be fine if you only had two years of data. But when you've got 10 years of data, that irons out those discrepancies. So 329% increase in this game is on the TV saying 3%. And when everyone else knows that they're exploding, they're coming up in areas, they're territorial, so they come up to areas when they're, the numbers grow, they come up to areas they've never been before and they sure. come up to all the fresh water playgrounds and um, that's that's what's happening and because we're underrepresented up here uh, we don't you know Tasmania's got 12 senators we've got one two up here arguably yeah and um, uh, you know there's nothing, not enough people nothing. up here so it, they just don't care it's very clear what's going on appreciate your time this morning mate thank you so much um, for being with us uh, it is two big issues that we've been talking about and they keep on rearing their head. At, at what point do they say, hey, you know what? Robbie Catter was right. He um, he was right. He, he wasn't mucking around. He, he was absolutely right. So uh, I really appreciate your time this morning, mate. Thank you so much for being with us. Always a pleasure. Good Thanks on you, mate. Way. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin across Rural Queensland Today. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, the annual 2023 Baku Beef Challenge is now set. Uh, Josh Phelps is the Vice President of the Baku Beef Challenge and he joins us this morning. G'day, mate. How are you? 
Yeah, good, Ben. Yourself? All right. Uh, it's all set. Um, dates are set. And now is the time to advise people if they want to uh, become and join this competition, they can absolutely get involved with everything that's going on. The Baku Beef Challenge uh, is obviously the 100-day feedlot ch- challenge and it's also proudly partnered with Ben Ma of Beef Feeders uh, at Rogers Creek Feedlot Warwick. So it's pretty exciting and, and now is the time to get your cattle together for this event. Yeah, that's right, Dobbo. Nominations are open. Uh, they'll be open till the 16th of June. Um, look, we're looking forward to, yeah, getting a wide variety of contestants this year. I've had a, a few phone calls already. Um, we've got, you know, fellas from sort of west of us here and north of us, Dobbo, that have had a great season. So we're sort of just looking forward to seeing a few of those cattle as well. Eight different categories for the Baku Beef Challenge. Um, you've got the weight gain competition, 100-day feedlot. You've got the carcass comp, um, the individual beast for 100 day. And then you've got the other 100 days. So local highest aggregate, you know, bang for your buck, most profitable pan, overall champion. So there, there is a lot of different different categories and the money is as big as it's ever been. Like it, it, is, it is huge and, and you've got an unbelievable um, amount of sponsorship this year, which is just saying it just – it continues to grow. Um, and uh, obviously – you guys are doing this in a lot of ways because what it does is it actually gives back to the community. People get to see how their cattle are going. But this is a fantastic event for not only the people of Tambo but all of Queensland. It is not just immune to people in the Tambo, um, Blackall, Augustella districts. Anybody can join and feed them and obviously it will be celebrated in late October um, with the awards night. Yeah, that's right, Dobbo. Yeah, yeah, a couple of things you touched on there. You know, I guess – the event was initiated to create something, um, a point of difference in our region and to celebrate our region. You know, obviously we're biased. We think it's pretty good cattle country. Um, but you're right, it's not It's not exclusive. Um, you know, we, we are open to set ourselves against anyone in the state, so it is Queensland-wide, and we have had a couple parties from sort of central Queensland and the Maranoa um, enter in previous years, and that's the same again this year. Although you know we do we do want to target this central western region. Sure. Um, you know the yeah like I like I said, mate. It was originally just to probably pull things together, pull people together in the bush. You know we're we're a, we're a community or an area that relies very heavily as far as the wealth of this region goes. Although you know cattle is more or less it now, and. Um, you know, we don't have backup like gas or a mining or a, or a, or an irrigation industry. You know, like a lot of other regions do, like CQ and over further closer to the coast. So, so you know, we really ride the ups and downs of the cattle market out here. Um, so, you know, along with those couple of things, you know, just getting together and rubbing shoulders with like-minded people in the industry. You know, I just think iron sharpens iron, and um, you know, you get you, you go you make an effort to, to to enter these competitions and go to these events. And it just it comes back to your tenfold in your business, um, and not only that, just in your networking down the track. It's yeah, amazing who you meet at these things, although you know you, you end up tying up with down the track. You know, I agree completely. Um, so the the nominations will close on the sixteenth of June. So anybody who is listening to us who is thinking about going in this competition, um, you can from now till the sixteenth of June. That's a Friday. 
um, and you can that, that that's the nomination is closed. Now cattle can be delivered up to the nineteenth, and the commencement of the obviously feeding operation starts then. So you need to have them at Rogers Creek, tagged, drenched, vaccinated, ready to go, nineteenth of June. So it's as simple as that. Now the Presentation and awards night in Tambo is the 21st of October this year. So the 21st of October is the where the winners will be announced and the presentation of awards. That night obviously will be under the stars and a very, very special night as well. Um, and obviously there'll be field days in, and you'll be advised. Now, there is a limit um, to six pens per exhibitor. So, and that's fair enough. But we strongly recommend it. This has been very well supported um, and it's got a huge network. So we strongly recommend that people obviously put their nominations in. Ben Maher is one of the best feedlotters in this state um, and we, we know that and has year on year um, made it to the point where he is absolutely been at the top of his game. So we will expect that no doubt that, you know, like – we're going to have big nominations. And obviously, Josh, you, you would have heard a lot of people. This is, I mean, it's in its third year, so it is starting to roll now, and it's one of the premier feeding comps. It is, mate, yeah. It's um, it, it's amazing the momentum it's grown in such a short time. And, you know, yeah, you've been out, Dobbo. It, it's a great night, that presentation night um, it's, it's to celebrate what we do. I'm coming um, back yeah, this year, get... mate. I'm coming back this oh, year. I'm booked in. I'm booked in. I am locked in. I am locked in. No, that's great. Mate, um, and yeah, just want to give Marbo, Benny Mara a shout out. He's done a fantastic job for us. You know, runs a private uh, feedlot down there at Warwick, um, does a very good job. He's great to talk to, great PR man, great great to go down and take people that ne- don't necessarily feed cattle very often, Ben, and take them down there because he has he, he, he's very good at explaining the process, um, you know, and it gives people just an insight as to, you know, is where a lot of their cattle go after they leave their place out here. So, um, yeah, big shout out to Ben Ma. Um, yeah, we're looking forward to looking forward to catching up with him again. Actually, yeah, I can't wait to uh, catch up with him as well. One of the greats himself and Emily. Emily, a local girl uh, who knows that country very well. Um, look, this is huge. This competition and look, some of the sponsors. Um, is it Unicuso, um, Datamar's Livestock, Kilkenny, Charolais, Elders Insurance, Cooper's, Suncorp, Longhorn Transport, um, Spackman Pastoral, Brown Dog Concrete, RDO Equipment, Wire Steel, Frame Rural Agencies, Zotus, uh, Queensland Country Life, Wagner's. Like, I, I mean, these are big brands that are all on board and obviously guys are still open to more people wanting to come on board, but major sponsors of the Baku Beef Challenge. So, and these kind of things don't get off the ground. There's huge prize money to be won out of this as well. Like, it's a very, very good challenge. That's right, mate. No, I don't like dropping numbers very often, but, but we asked for a flat rate of $5,000 sponsorship. Now, that's a lot of money when it comes to these bush events. And these fellas just keep ringing, you know, and just keep saying, yeah, book us in for next year. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, it just goes to show the people that want to get behind, I guess, the people that back them, you know. So, so the likes of, obviously, a lot of them are all agricultural industries, you know, um, you mentioned them there. But, yeah, look, they'll all be there again at the dinner. You know, can't wait to catch up with them as well. Um, they're a great bunch of blokes, like the RDO boys. They, you know, and they can't do enough when they get out there. You know, they're, they're helping out, stacking chairs, and they help out. They hold the bar up too. Don't worry. 
Yeah. But um, but no, we have we've got a great team around us. Um, and and yeah, I just think it's going to be a great event, mate. There's a season we, we're sort of coming off the back of two or three seasons, and the cattle are in very good order, mate. We just had our local show last weekend here at Tambo, and it just it just you know it makes you warm and fuzzy just to see the support and the people that get behind these little shows out here. Like I say, I think a lot of these people wear their heart on their sleeve when it comes to the beef industry because that's that's it for us out here. And um, you know, I, I just I just think it'll be um, it'll complement the little town and and the district. And um, yeah, hopefully people will get behind it. Can't wait, can't wait. Uh, closing the nominations are open. Closing date is the sixteenth of June, and this is event will be on the twenty first of October in Tambo. Josh Phelps, uh, appreciate your time, mate. The Baku Beef Challenge it's up and operational. People starting who are listening start putting together, and they can get in contact. What's the best way to get in contact with yourself, or what's the best way moving forward for people who want to have a nomination and nominate? Yeah, look, any questions, just give me a ring. Um, you'll find my number on the website. So we've actually got a live website now. Um, I think it's beefbarku.com.au. I'm sure if you Google it up, you'll find it. Look, you'll get hold of someone somehow. There, there's a couple numbers on there, the secretary or myself. And, and, and no questions, a silly question. By all means, give us a ring. Um, you know, look forward to meeting some new contestants possibly. You know, I'll just say Dobbo too. You know, the I think I think in this, um, in this region – we actually boast a couple of the RNA winners from last year as well. So it, it, yeah, it goes well. without saying the quality of cattle, mate. So, no, look, thank you very much for your time. And um, and just off the record, mate, we, we really support you and your voice and your platform for what we do out here in the bush. Mate, um, yeah, you keep doing what you do. Thank you, mate. I appreciate it. Good on you, Josh Phelps. Thank you. And the, the Baku Beef Challenge. He's nominated and it gets underway. Uh, nominations open. It'll be the 21st of October, the presentation in Tambo. People now go to their website as well, uh, live website, up and operational. We'll take a break, come back with more Rural Queensland today. Back to Rural Queensland today. Deb Frecklington, the member for Nanango, Shadow Minister for Water and Construction of Dam, Shadow Minister for Regional Development and Manufacturing joins us. Deb, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, good morning, Dobbo. Good morning, listeners. Great to be on the show. Um, can I just say this? I mean, I'm embarrassed to have a Labor Day. I mean that genuinely yesterday. And I understand that there's men and women who, who, um, and obviously what the Labor Party was built, but the fact is that, and I spoke to Robbie Catter about this a little earlier in the show, that we had the Prime Minister and the Premier marching on the same day where in Brisbane a teen was shot at through a car we saw in Harvey Bay and Maribor, um a tragedy occur from a 13-year-old stealing a car and three three ladies dead. We've got crocodiles overrunning the population in North Queensland, we, we, you know, the health crisis system everywhere. But yet, yeah, let's march and talk about how wonderful the Labor Party is. It was, it was hypocritical. It was, you know, out of touch and, and, and practically and frankly, I, I believe embarrassing. Yeah, look, absolutely, Dobbo. And first of all, if I can start, um, <clears throat> just by acknowledging and sending my condolences, absolute tragedy to those three families um, and others that are injured in that, that terrible incident at Maribara with that um, alleged young town <clears throat> driving into, you know, uh, stealing a car and doing that. We've got, like you say, so much is going on. Um, you know, we wake up this morning, there's a firefighter who's critically injured, but um, 
there's you know there's so much going on and yet for the premier and the prime minister but more so the premier to be so out of touch to be seen you know laughing and joking marching along the streets you know when people are sitting in the back of an ambulance being rammed you know her her government is lurching from crisis to crisis yeah. the premier is constantly on the red carpet instead of being where she should be and that is helping queenslanders I mean, one of the first things she could have done yesterday, she could have sat down and dragged in her police minister and said, enough, and the Attorney General, and said, let's change the laws. Let's actually force these kids um, to have a consequence. Um, She could have done that. She could have got the health minister in, and she could have said, sorry, your job is up. You have had enough time to fix this health crisis. And in fact, it's getting worse when, you know, mums can't have babies in a town, naturally, in the town of size of Gladstone, there is something wrong with the health system. Uh, you know, when pathology results are not coming out right, there is something wrong with the health system. And what happened to ministerial accountability? Well, when the Premier thinks it's all good on a tragic, terrible day uh, to go marching, smiling and joking, um, again on the red carpet rather than doing her job, no wonder the ministers aren't doing their jobs either. I mean, look, it's it is a disgrace, Dobbo, and I know I go on about it all no, the time. It's horrific. But it's just... It is time. It is time. This premier is she got saved by COVID, and not anymore. You know her time's up. She's out of touch. Way she out was of never touch. in touch in the in the first place. Well, she should um, never have got the job. And and and, and well, to be honest with you, she she got crowbarred in there, and it was a disgrace how it went down. It, it has been. It has been laughable how much disrespect. I mean, if I have to hear another thing about funding for the Olympics, why why our state regionally is in crisis? And I and I say that, and I and I said this to Robbie Catter, and I'll say this to you, Deb. I hate having to come on this show and talk about the negativities when we live in such a great state. I love this place. I love Queensland. I love regional Queensland, but we are on our knees. And enough is enough. And I represent the people, and I know you do, of regional Queensland, and we can't take any more. The, the services, the lack of of understanding and it, and in any way wanting to be involved, it, it is killing us. It is killing the state. Yeah, look, and I think, I think it does, um, Dobbo. I mean, there's a real issue and a real divide. You know, when you do drive out of Brisbane, um, and it seems to be this invisible divide for the government, I'm dealing with a local project at the moment, the big Barumba Hydro project, yes. um, but not necessarily on the dam side of yet. We're talking about PowerLink proposing where the power lines go. Now, the community of Kilkeven had no consultation. They actually dropped Kilkeven off their list altogether. So once we jumped up and down and got that happening, the announcement came out last um, la- late last week. Now, this is, this is a massive impost on people's land. You know, a lot of people say it's fine, the power, power lines can come through. We just need to have decent consultation. We need to know where they're going to be and we want to be able to suggest a better place. Uh, so thousands of people were impacted on by this because PowerLink announced a four kilometre wide, um, corridor, which everyone knows it's only going to end up being 70 metres. Um, so what happened last week is a complete example of the arrogance of the Palaszczuk government. Minister de Brenny, who is the energy minister, um, I'm told, directed PowerLink not to inform both Tony Perrett, the member for Gympie, and myself until after 
the announcement had been made public. Are you so Powerlink, no, hundred percent. One hundred and twenty-nine private properties affected around your electorate, and you've been told exactly. not to be briefed about it by the government. Not, not, not to be briefed until after the public. So last wow. week, when we had you know extremely stressed out landholders contacting us saying you know that their houses might be being resumed. Uh, my office was being left in the dark, and that's the arrogance. I shot off a, you know, obviously a very rude email to the minister, and it didn't change. They briefed the media uh, on <clears throat> Monday, and then the landholders. Uh, they didn't brief until Wednesday, and then Tony and I were given a briefing on Friday. So look, we're we're we have always said we're happy to work with Powerlink um, to make it best for everyone, but. This is just ignorant and rude. Um, so that they know exactly yeah. where they want to go, Deb, um, with Powerlink. So Powerlink know exactly what they want to do, but they don't want the pushback. And and it's very clear that the government at the moment have absolutely no respect or do not want to be held accountable by anybody. They're a law unto themselves. We we see that with the health minister, and her still surviving when she's been absolutely running as bad a show as you could ever ask for. Now, what, what, they're not going to do that, and and you represent the views yourself, and Tony Perrett represent the views of more than you know thirty five hundred people alone. Like you know, yet they don't want to actually even uh, talk who are affected by this. They don't well, want to actually have anything to do with it. Like it's yeah. Look, I think I think the story is it's just not in their backyard, um, and they're so busy selling. Um, the story of clean green energy to Brisbane people that they forget that it's actually got to be in someone's backyard, uh, and that's and that's exactly what the story is here. I mean, Kilkeven is a thriving little town, um, sure. you know, and and it's yes, it is closer to the coast, but it's um, it's still a regional place, uh, and they they just haven't cared. They've not even you know turned up um, to explain to the people exactly where the power line should be, why they're going through homes. Um, you know, we're now hearing stories of the maps have accidentally left off 10 homes in one area. So issues like that that come up, both Tony and I went to Cook even on Saturday morning to, you know, to meet with as many landholders as we can because it is important that we get this right and if it is going through the wrong place, that it moves. Uh, we lobbied the government to say that it should be on state-owned land. There is a lantana-filled National Park there, well, state-owned um, park that is there that isn't the Daintree. It isn't a national park in the way that city people think of national parks. It's a, it's a country that is seriously full of lantana and should be cleaned up. Yeah. That is where we proposed that the power line went. That would make sense. That, that would make sense. Well, it would, <laughs> it would make sense, but it would also force the government to clean up the, the mess because as anyone listening knows, the worst neighbour is the state government. Um, and so that's what we proposed and we can look at the map and you can see where the power lines could go that would have the least impact uh, to the most amount of people and unfortunately the government have refused to listen to locals uh, and the local members on that suggestion and of just going up through the guts of people's country. So, yeah, look, it is, but we'll continue to fight that fight because it, it is important that these landholders get, you know, get heard um, and particularly ones that... Uh, you know, they're saying it's okay if you come on, but let's just put it in a reasonable spot. I mean, those are the type of conversations that reasonable people have with uh, reasonable departments if you've got a decent government. But that's, um, yeah, so that's why we need to change it in October next year. Yeah, you're dead right. Great to chat. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. 
TW. Good on you. Deb Frecklington, so much drama in this state and uh, we have people who want to make a difference, who are leading us in rural and regional Queensland. We need a change of government. There's just no two ways about it. Uh, this is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. We'll take a break. It's Ben Dobbin with you on the 2nd of May, a Tuesday morning on Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Here's a great news story. Tessa Cook is joining us from Claremont. She's the winner of the 2023 Agri-Futures Horizon Scholarship. Now, what a absolute awesome awesome um, thing to win and to win this scholarship just speaks volumes. Um, raised on a mixed enterprise cattle and cropping property 60 kilometres northwest of Claremont, she joins us this morning. Tessa, good morning. How are you? Morning, Ben. Thanks for having me. Congratulations. Um, I, I, I just love how, firstly, um, the Horizon Scholarship and the Agri, of all things AgriFutures provides 22 scholars throughout Australia a $10,000 bursary over two years. Now, Am I right in saying you're in your fourth year of vet science? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Just going to my fourth year this year. One more year to go. <laughs> oh, I bet you can't wait. Let's start from the beginning. I mean, obviously, a love of the bush, um, born and raised um, in in rural Australia. So the 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 desire to then go and 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 become a vet um, must have been something that you know you give back. You, you become a vet, and then you can obviously go and work into rural and rural Queensland. How did we come across wanting to be a vet, and 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 how how special is it that you'd be able to do that and practice in this state as well? Oh, I've always had a love for the agricultural industry. As you said, grew up on a rural property, fourth generation on that property. And yeah, it's always been about giving back to the agricultural industry for me. And I just didn't know what way I could do that in. Yep. Um, I did a gap year for two years and worked on the property and I loved that, but I just wanted, I just wanted something a little bit different and then did work experience at the Claremont Vet for two weeks and absolutely fell in love with it. And then applied that, that, that following week to study up at James Cook University in Townsville. How lucky are you? And 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 this speaks volumes. And we talk about trying to get young men and women back into the bush and 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 study rural. That you could actually study vet science in Townsville. I mean, traditionally those courses are done out of Gatton and and you know in in, in Brisbane and and all all other places. But you can actually go. Townsville is is so much closer for you, um, and probably in a lot of ways the course is a little bit more relatable, if you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I'm five hours away from my property up here in Townsville, so wow. it's nothing to just pop back for the weekend. Sure. Um, which is great. Sometimes you just need a little bit of a break, which is so good. And, yeah, like you said, our learning is really tailored for the rural industry up here, which is fantastic because that's, that's what I love and that's what I'm focused about. Can I ask you, um, when we talk about when we the long-term plan, like, I mean, AgriFutures have done an unbelievable job and what they do is they're looking after and, and trying to, to, to look after the next generation who aspire to be something. What's the plan? I mean, you've got, you know, another year and a bit to go. Um, what's the plan then? Is it to go and practice or open practice or is it to be based at home and then and – then, flow on from there. I, I spoke to the flying vet out of New South Wales who's just unbelievable the other day. She runs a property and then she has a, a pilot's licence and she flies around the state um, and it's just a great story. What's your plan, do you think? Yeah, um, my plan, so I've just started clinical placements now, so I'm just starting to get into 
the vet clinics and see what a working of a vet clinic is like. Um, and I've been absolutely loving that. So I'm using placements at the moment to try and find where I could end up. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping to go into mixed practice with small animals and large animals for the first couple of years just yeah, to get my skills up in all areas. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure on the exact location of where I'm going to end up, but I just know that I'll be happy living in a small community with, like, strong strong country connections. That's the big thing. And are there many, many men and women who are doing it who are from the country as well? Because it seems with vet science it's been a – there's been a real shift away, but we need more – locally bred vets and I, I mean that and I say that who are who have been bred rural who understand it because that's what that's what we're short of everywhere um it, you know it's like GPs in the medical profession <laughs> we don't look after and breathe our own we're just going to get shortages of them oh definitely I'm not sure what is what the um split is between country and city kids down south in the southern college in the southern vet colleges but up in Townsville it, there are a lot of country kids that are very interested in going back to their communities and giving back in that way. I love this. I love this. Well done. And what what, what took place with when you applied for this scholarship? How does that work? How how did you come about knowing about this? And and what what, what is that money going to go towards? Um, I came about knowing this because there's actually a couple of people in vet in the year um, above me and the year above me, two years above me that have been lucky enough to get this scholarship and they recommended it wholeheartedly. They said, you cannot go wrong with applying. Um, yep. So I applied when I was down in Dubbo on a placement and got the interview when I was at another placement in Mackay. And then, um, yeah, last month got the call saying that I've got it. So that was fantastic. And this money is going to go towards broadening my experience in the industry, going towards placements in places that, I'm very interested in working in the future, hopefully. So that, that's my way yeah. of using it. I love that. Mm. I love that. I just think this is a phenomenal thing. And, and AgriFutures, just uh, Horizon Scholarship, a big thank you to the AgriFutures Australian Managing Director, John Harvey, who has been uh, at the forefront of making this and supporting this and is big on making this program a success. I love the fact that we are talking to a young lady from Claremont, Tessa Cook, who is the winner of one of the scholarships for the 2023 AgriFutures Horizon Scholarships, who set her career in agriculture and is doing vet science out of Townsville and then obviously coming back and giving back to rural Queensland. Good on you, Tessa. Great to chat. Um, congratulations and enjoy your fourth year. It's not far Thank away, you mate. Much. You haven't got far away. So it's <laughs> you're in a good position. So enjoy it. Thank you so much for being with us and congratulations. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. Good on you. We'll take a break. Great story. Uh, rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, that's it from us here on Tuesday morning, the 2nd of May. I hope you've had a great day and have an even better day after the show. So much to get through as well uh, this week. We've got Magic Round. We'll touch on that. Lots of camp drafts and lots of events throughout Queensland as well. When the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Stay safe on the roads. And Ray Hadley to join you next from all the team here, Ben Dobbin, myself, and the rest of the team here at Rural Queensland today. Till next time, it's bye for now.